This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Safia Boulay of New Habits, Making Shift Happen. Hi, Richard. In this first half hour, our business skills conversation is brought to you in association with USB Ed. Last week, we spoke to Kerry Boucher of Think Sustainability on Think Sustainability trends into 2017 and how they impact on South African business. A great podcast. Go to our website and download that. Today's theme, a wonderful one. Who is actually responsible for marketing? Your organization is on show all the time. Who should be carrying the can for this? Joining us in studio is our guest, no stranger to studio, Belinda Wagner of Wagner Consulting. She's also a faculty member at USB Ed and is a marketing specialist in her roles as a facilitator, lecturer, and mentor. She has a passion for all spheres of marketing, growth, and development of people in order to assist them in their growth journey. Welcome, Belinda. Hi, Richard. And Belinda has a touch of laryngitis, but has still joined us on the show and braved, braved the elements. We really appreciate your insights into, into this topic today. In fact, when we, when we looked at the, the content for today's show, I could think of no one better to talk to us, uh, in the, in this space because marketing is such a, an interesting space because, you know, you get the, let's call it the specialists and then you get the people who've really worked with the nuts and bolts and Linda, you're one of those people that I see as an expert in the space of just being able to engage with a broader perspective and, you know, the traditional push marketing has, has almost made it a way for a new type of marketing where marketing for inter- all intents and purposes is about the company and, and the company and everything that happens around that company is Almost what drives the mar- uh, the marketing engagement, all the way from how you answer the telephone, all the way through to your website response, all the way through to the people you employ. Marketing now becomes who the company is, and it's no longer the marketing department's problem. And okay, we're done. Um, I mean, ultimately, how how do you handle that that kind of shift from? Let's call it the more traditional methodologies and thinking around marketing to a more holistic approach. What, how do you drive that change? I think what's important is to first <clears throat> understand why the change came about. And I think it's because of this digital environment. Mm-hmm. And typically what's happened is, um, the organizations and the, and the staff or rather employees on, are, are now a, a lot more on show than previously because of of the digital age. So typically what's happening is um, you'll have someone that announces, hi, I'm so-and-so from whatever organization at a party, and they associate that individual with the organization. Um, he his, his mates happen to put a picture up on, on Facebook, and guess what? He's ex- the whole organization's exposed. So I think because of the digital environment, what we have is we have – a lot more visibility into organizations. Um, and no longer can organizations just, you know, rely on traditional marketing. Um, it's now really about the whole customer experience. 
So, and the experience literally is what's the first touch point? Um, and often the, the first touch point is not with a marketing cloak. It's often with the receptionist or the security guard or. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's the person that isn't designated as the marketing person in the organization. Absolutely. So, um, and then of course with a digital environment, it's anyone that engages on any of these social media platforms with their, with their clients or even with their friends because you're representing the organization. So I think what, what's happened is that we no longer can rely on just the marketing folk to be the custodians of the brand. Everybody in, in the organization is a custodian of the brand. Um, and even more so, um, because of this digital environment, we are, we're far more exposed and more visible than we were before. Um, and I think that's what, what people need to take into consideration. I mean, ultimately then, who becomes responsible for marketing? Because now you, you can't just say, well, the head of marketing, because then it, for me, almost becomes a, well, does marketing now run the whole organization? Well, I don't know. Maybe the head of marketing likes that idea. <laughs> uh, you know, new designate, CEO designate, you're now running the show. But I mean, I mean, I often, you know, think of things like, you know, just something simple like how your receptionists dress, how your security staff at the boom dress and engage mm-hmm. sends a message about who you are uh, as a corporate. In, in fact, I always used to, uh, and being the financial guy in the in the space, people will find this quite quite interesting. But I had a real problem with, let's call it, budget cutting the security staff in, in, in a corporate space because I'm going, the very first people that your client gets to experience is the guy at the security boom. And if he is the lowest paid grade security guard you can find because, hey, that seem, you think that makes sense and, and it's the cheapest form of, or it's, it's the best form of cost cutting. Well, in my experience, I mean, that, that, that is just horrendous. Um, you know, and, 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 and at the same time, I've experienced, uh, uh, and I will single them out because I, I can. One of the uh, one of the organisations that I was always most impressed with for over many years was when I used to arrive at Rand Merchant Bank at mm. Merchant Place. Mm. Um, I'd walk into a reception at Number One Merchant Place, even when I wasn't working at the, uh, and working with the guys at the Merchant Bank, and the receptionists and the security staff knew exactly what they were doing. They were present. They were courteous. RMB made a made a a plan around how they engaged the security and reception staff as part of a merchant bank. Mm. Now, I'm sorry, but merchant bankers and security staff and receptionists that that connection just doesn't generally happen. Mm-hmm. Yet, if you were to ask the staff at the reception desk how they felt about the bank and the merchant bank, they felt one. Mm-hmm. They were part of that connectedness. Yeah. Um. I mean, so how do you drive that responsibility and engagement model from a marketing perspective? I mean, what, what are some of the tools, some of the things you could be thinking about? So, so I'm going to answer your, your question in two ways. So first of all, there's, since, since the advent, advent of the, the chief marketing officer, the CMO, um, marketing has now taken a more strategic role than before. So CMOs are typically on, on, if not on the board of directors, but definitely in the, in the senior management space. So being the custodians or the voice of the customer in the boardroom and the voice of the customer in, um, at a, at a management level or a senior management level, that often now, um, is driven down. 
Um, and when I say it's driven down, so what you try and do as an organization is you, you have a look at your organizational values and you drive those values um, within the organization. So you're driving behavior. What's important, though, is if you're going to do that, then you need to re- remunerate accordingly. So if you're driving behaviors um, and you're remunerating those behaviors, then, then that's how you get um, um Employees of organizations to work in accordance with the values. So if a value is we put our customers first, everybody needs to be indoctrinated with that so that they drive the behaviors of the, um, of the organization so that it's not just about, um, sales, 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 but how do we, how do we really engage customers? And that's what I was speaking about earlier is that a touch point. So when we have a touch point with a customer and often that touch point, like I said, is with a security guard or a receptionist, what are the values that we're driving? Is it really about putting the customer first? And then what does that mean? So unpacking the values, not only unpacking them, but giving a very sp- specific detail to what that actually means. So what does it mean to be customer centric? What does it mean to put your customer first? Um, if we talk about professionalism as a value, what do we actually mean by that? So we have to unpack that. And, and I think what's really important is to get buy-in from the entire organization. So this is not something that senior management has thought about, but rather um, as a organization, how do we drive this? And you get buy-in from right down from the receptionist security guard right to the top. And do we all live these values? And it's not a let's have a rah-rah once a year around the values and, you know, hopefully we get it done. It's about mm-hmm. continuous mon- monitoring of that. It's about driving those engagements and those touch points on a consistent basis. Um, and more importantly, it's about how do we manage them from a performance perspective. So in a typical organization, they have KPIs or KPAs. Um, so when looking at your key performance areas, are you actually driving behavior? Mm. And and I guess it's it's not just about driving behavior. It's about measuring and then holding people accountable when it doesn't happen. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I mean – You've talked a little bit about you know how how the the model shifted and the uh, the different roles now chief marketing officer role etc. In uh, in big organisations, I guess this is something that that people have to think about structurally. In a smaller organisation, I mean everybody's doing everything all the time. Um, now, how do you how do you inculcate the importance of let me call it the customer, and I, I'm hesitant to the word, use the word customer experience because that, that also has a whole lot of connotations. But how do you make sure that everybody understands that they're marketing all the time, even when they think they're not? How do you do that in a smaller business? How do you change that mindset? So I think um, what's really important is, especially with a smaller organization, so typically you as the, the owner of the organization um, you effectively, as a large organization, you're the brand ambassador. So it's how you behave, um, how you drive the so, behavior. So it starts at the top. Or it does, especially in a small in a small organization, and and not only in a um, in a small organization, but a large organization as well. But I think what's important is not to only rely on the person on the top to do to to. Um, be the custodian. It's also about you. What is, how are you being accountable? How do you, um, how does what you do affect the organization and, and, 
um, the the brand of the organization. So how does that come about? So in if we go back to the conversation of a of a small organization, typically what happens is that do you, you find the owner of the organization or the the MD they they tend to be a everybody and everything, mm. um, and then they lose sight of the customer experience because they're trying to get things done, uh, and they lose sight of of servicing the customer. Uh, and that's often when people get frustrated, but it really, really, st- it starts and stops with you. So if you're not be, if you're not driving that behavior and you're not, um, ex- uh, showing that behavior visibly, then how do you expect your, your employees to do the same? So it's really, it's really about a continuous, how, how do I show up? Mm. Um, and what does that mean for my brand? Mm. And I, and I think it also <coughs> goes to, you know, I, I, I often and I would often say to people when I was in the corporate world, um, as leadership, one of the interesting things I used to do was I used to phone myself <laughs> when I wasn't in the office to see what would happen. And Sophia's looking at me because she knows she worked with me at, at some points and she's going, man, psycho. But I used to phone myself to see what people would say when I asked to speak to me and mm-hmm. how I would be. You know, I mean, I was often told I was on leave when I wasn't. I was often told I wasn't available because I was away when I wasn't. Um, you know, you just get told. Um, or uh, the interesting one was when I asked for my own cell phone number to see if people would give me my own number because I'd left specific instructions to say, if clients ask, you hand out my number so they can get hold of me. And and people were very reticent to to give out Mm-mm. the boss's number kind of story. Mm-hmm. And you can understand why, but it, it was an interesting one. Um, and I often you know, say to people, I mean, I've had experiences where I try and get hold of a company. I had one recently um, where I try to get hold of a company where we were evaluating a ERP solution with a client. And I went onto their website and I dialed their number and um, – <laughs> As I dialed their number, they, the number just dropped, cut off. Thought that's strange. Dialed a second time, dialed a third time. And what actually happened was it, the number answered with music saying, we'll get, you know, we're about to answer your call and then dropped drop the line. I was like, sure, that's not great, eh? Fourth time around within a matter of, you know, like 15 minutes. And I'm going, okay, something's wrong here. So then I dialed their Cape Town office. And got the same music, and I thought, oh, no, here we go. And the call was then answered. And the lady on the other side answers very politely, and I say, oh, hi, I'm trying to get hold of your Johannesburg office. And she says to me, this is the Joburg office. I'm like, well, that's really interesting that I'm talking to an ERP IT provider, and I'm phoning your Cape Town number and I'm now speaking to the Joburg branch and mm. your Joburg number isn't being answered. This just does not bode well when mm. I want to talk to you about spending probably a million rand on an ERP system and you can't get your phone numbers right mm. and you can't get your phone routing right. Mm. It doesn't bode confidence in me. So, you know, for me, the marketing message there was, Boy, you know, you might have all of the consultants and all of the capability, and they're, and they're actually a very, very good company in terms of what they can deliver. But my experience as in my initial engagement with them was they really, really didn't do a great job of giving me 
a sense of comfort and a sense of connection with them as a company. They mm. failed in their marketing efforts of how they present and um, almost, let's call it, package themselves to, to, the, to the market. And yeah. I, I, was like, I, was like, I was a little disappointed, I must admit. Mm. And I thought to myself, okay, so great, that's happened, that's happened with me and them. And I thought to myself, you know, a good old story, hold up the mirror, does this happen to my own customers? And I've now made a thing where I actually, we phone ourselves once a week, minimum, in my companies. We phone ourselves. We send in requests on our website to see and check that all the routing that goes behind our web, you know, contact us, get a quote, do this, do that, do the rest, actually works properly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, and I kind of think, should you be having to do this, Belinda? <laughs> so I, I think there, there's always that element of, um, you know, of kind of the, that mark customer and, 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 you know, the mystery, mm. the mystery customer going into organi- organization. There's, there's, that's always important. However, I think, I think it's getting the basics right. And often, often that's where organizations fall. It's going onto the website and having the right details on the website, mm-hmm. having your physical address on the website. Um, and, and and in a form where if you click on it, you don't end up in the USA. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, there's nothing that irritates me more than needing that website or needing an address. I'm in the car. I Google you. It's there. I go touch it, waiting for the pin to appear, and it says it's going to take 420 days to drive there because it's in Indiana somewhere. I go, how did you get that right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Put your pin in the right place. It, absolutely. And it's even something as small as – you know, having these voice voice activated systems where people phone and then you've got to go through um, a whole host of steps where all you want is just to ask for the directions or ask for the correct email address or, you know, website address. So I think it's the basics that count. Um, I think getting that right first is important. Um, unfortunately, though, you find that unless you – you manage in everything yourself, which is impossible. You will have to have that mystery customer checking in to see if you know if, if things work. Um, I think what's important, important though, is to understand that you want you want to get a view of your, your customer's touch point and experience with you. So, what is it actually like to be a customer? Mm. And I don't know if organisations spend enough time doing that, trying to understand. If it's a customer and I put the, my, my customer's shoes on and I, I walk through a store or I, I have contact with organizations, what is it like? What is that experience like? And, and that brings it down to why it's important to have everybody in the organization playing a part, doing their bit, um, taking accountability. Um, a, a, a small and important um, example is often you would throw – throw a phone through to an organization and want to speak to whoever and you get through to the wrong individual or they're not available and instead of them taking accountability and saying how can I help you what can I do let me pass on the message and then actually following up with that employee to fo- to find out if they don't phone the customer they often don't they fob it off um, leave a message but never the, no one never knows if the customer is contacted or not so I, I think that it's important that you actually follow up take accountability um, and drive the the essence of what the organization's about. If it's about customer services, if you're driving professionalism, then that's what you need to do. Mm. Um, so unfortunately, yes, Richard, it is. It's the small things that count. Mm. So I mean, if I was 
and and I said to you, let's look at the new more, the new marketing organization and and what it actually looks like. I mean, in my mind, I'm going okay. Clearly, you're saying activities need to be distributed amongst the people in the in the environment as you design and build a model here. Um, what can be distributed? What shouldn't be distributed? Because that, that's all, you know, I kind of go. I love the outsourcing model, but what should I keep? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, let's make the assumption I can outsource everything. What should I be keeping as an organization? What what makes it real for me? And where should I be using somebody else's skill set? So again, to answer your question in, in kind of two parts, I, I think you can outsource anything, or you can keep anything in house. What's important though is whatever you're going to outsource, does the organization that you're outsourcing to, do they understand the organizational values and what you're trying to achieve? Do they understand your objectives? And are they able to drive those with you? So say you choose an organization, a, a security organization for your security of your premises. Um, they represent your company before they represent their own company. Mm. So are you taking the time to train them and for them to have, understand what are you trying to achieve? So for, so for me, it's not, it's not a matter of whether you keep, keep it in house or whether you don't. I think it's how you managing it for me is more important. Mm. So, so there's the design, there's the build, but there's also that operating the, the engagement model. I mean, and to your point, you know, do you want fidelity security as your, your brand outside your building or do you want, you know, the finance team or new habits? You know, wh- what is the, what is the brand that lives at the boom? Good, good point. Because I think we are so quick to say, oh no, you know, G4S security or fidelity or whoever it may be. But actually, it should be your brand mm. living out there on, on the street front, so to speak. Absolutely. And even if it is fidelity, it's okay. But do they understand what you're trying to achieve? And are you training them? Because we often think, oh, we only, we only train people that are dealing with customers from a, um, you know, customer complaint or customer services. Uh, perspective, but actually everybody needs to be trained. Um, even the, even someone in your accounting department, because guess what, guess what? They engage with customers, even though it might not be the decision maker, but they might, two finance departments might be engaging with each other. It's still a customer. And I think we, we need to be aware that the, the minute someone engages with your organization from various levels, we have to acknowledge the fact that they're there to help us grow or, you know, to give us business. So then with that in mind, we need to say, okay, how are we treating those individuals on all levels? Mm. Um, Belinda, <coughs> I'm sitting here very quietly listening. Um, <laughs> but, you know, increasingly we don't have as much bricks and mortar engagements with business as we used to before. We're encountering business through technology and obviously for a long time now through um call centers I don't know if I'm asking you a question if I'm griping (laughs) but calling into a call center of a large business is probably one of the most frustrating thing a human being may have to do in the entire lives Mm. Um, just waiting for all those if you want this if you want that kind of um, automated automated. uh, press 1 to speak to an agent press 2 to speak to their boss press 3 to blow up the building they're in oh no not that one (laughs) (laughs) the fact of the matter is that so many brands are busy talking and having conversations about how they decommoditize the experience Mm. 
that they offer. And then they put a call center between themselves and the customer. How do they do that better? Again, it's like I said, is does that call center, and if it's an outsourced call center, have you taken the time to train them and make them understand what you're trying to achieve as a business? Yeah. So I hear you, and I, I mean, this isn't like new information. It's not, it's not, it's not like it's revolutionizing. This is stuff that I'm sure you could be doing this and evangelizing this for the next 50 years and still be new information in many ways or, 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 or not yet completely adopted. What is stopping us from not embracing this and, and, and making the call centers in particular a reflection of the service model that you want to offer? So dealing with, with various organizations, what I've, I've noticed or I, I've um, been aware of is what typically happens is we become so focused inward that we forget to focus outward. And um, with a with consistent inward driving profits, driving this, driving that, we often forget the customer. Um, so unless it's it's something that's driven from the top and it's something that you are driving on a continuous basis with your staff, um, it's, it's, it's always going to be the same problem. Uh, I think it ne- you need to be actively driving that behavior um, and, and probably the reason why is time. We always, you know, we look for ways to automate things, to get things done quicker. Um, so in my opinion, the best way is how do I indoctrinate, indoctrinate my organizations that I'm dealing with, like call centers, um, so that they drive what I'm trying to do. Um, unfortunately, call centers over the, over the years have had a, quite a bad reputation because you get frustrated. But not all organizations are like that. And, and the ones that do really well have learned to, to really use that as their, as their core strength. Um, I, for example, I'm, I'm super impressed with the likes of, of, uh, South African Revenue Services. Uh, if you, if you deal with Whoa, them. Whoa, Belinda. No. Over to the dark side. No, there. but, but if you deal, if you deal with them, I'm, I'm always impressed with how, how quickly they respond. Um, recently I had to do an online tax return. Um, and I th- th- that's an organization to me that has really turned, turned their organization around by employing the right people. So it's about not having, having the tax, tax knowledge, but also having knowledge on, on how these online system works and then how to deal with a customer. Um, so every time I've, in the last two years, every time I've owned SARS, I've been super impressed. And I think what they've gotten right is they've employed the right people. Um, and it's not just a person that can answer a telephone. It's a person who, who understands tax, understands how to deal with a customer and is patient. So I think it's about, you know, the right people, but also driving the right behavior. It's a clear vision for what they want to deliver and a clear value set for how they want to deliver it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, the whole world of engagement in, in, in the space often you know, I, I go, we collect data about people and, you know, we, we analyze things. I mean, I, I, I read the statements like more data rich and analytically intense engagement is required to understand your customers better. And I go, wow, okay, now that's really in, in like, you know, it makes it sound so like, you know, somebody's stalking and following you. But I, I do think that's the reality in, in, in terms of, you know, understanding what the, what the customers are doing out there and being almost making them part of part of your world. I mean, how important is 
knowing your customers' intimate space around around how you market and engage with them. I mean, is that is that so true, uh, or, or is this just a bunch of individuals who are looking for nothing better to do than sell more data systems and analysis to us? So, so Richard, again, uh, this is something that I believe is is almost become. Um, Part of if you're going to be successful, you need to ensure that you have the right information about your customers. So if you look at these loyalty programs that that, that all the um, a lot of the retailers have, now when used correctly, they're rich rich information. You can get a clear view of when your sh- your customer shops, how much they buy, what they buy, what their buying patterns are, um, uh, understanding the the their seasonal behaviors, all of that information is, is there for them to utilize. It's, it's important to take the, that data and, and understand it and to analyze it and then to pl- apply some science behind it. Mm. I think we no longer can re- rely on that spray, play, spray and play approach. We have to, we really, really have to say, how do we understand really what our customers need in, 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 um, in depth? Also, um, we as customers, we have choice. We have far more choice than we've ever had before. So we don't have to shop with you. We don't have to buy from you. So if you don't know me and you don't understand what I want and you're not talking to me in my, in the language that I understand and you're not talking to me about, about products and services that I'm interested in, you're wasting, and then it just becomes noise. So if you're not going to customize, um, and personalize today, um, it's it's you you then dealing in a very competitive environment. Mm. Belinda Wagner, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a most insightful morning. Uh, yeah, lots to think about. I can see Safia's very very concerned here to my left. <laughs> I'm thinking of customizing for a population <laughs> and a sample of one. <laughs> complicated. Very, very complicated. <laughs> Next up is our business conversation. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com.